The following production is part of the We Be Geeks Podcast Collective. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Pop Insider. The Pop Insider has all the latest in news, merch reviews, and other geeky goodness. Whether you're a wizard, a Sith Lord, or a superhero, fuel your fandom at thepopinsider.com. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Another episode of Wookiee Radio. It is the Smugglers 3. Ken, Derek, and myself, Mike. And this week, guys, we are being joined by some Mandalorian royalty. Um, despite what we saw in the Clone Wars, she lives. And no, it's not Ahsoka, as Dave Filoni kept pitching. Does she live? She lives. Uh, instead, we have, you may know her on Twitter as Duchess Satine. Uh, it's Jessica. How's everyone doing tonight? Very well. It's a good night to talk some Star Wars. It is. Derek, Ken, how are you guys? Not bad. Tired. Yes. Oh, <laughs> believe me. I hear you on that. Um, I will just say this. I survived the cuts. So, for those who don't yeah. know, I do work at Walt Disney World. And I was not one of the ones who was laid off uh but my heart does go out to those of my peers who uh have some major choices to make uh this week so well hopefully with the news that um they're trying to get um california reopened maybe some of that can get reversed a little bit i mean i know it's not going to solve the problem but (laughs) well it's it's not going to reverse what just happened um but hopefully california does or disneyland does reopen because I think the only thing open out there, theme park wise, is Nosberry Farms, and I think how are that, they open if no one else is allowed? I have no clue, but you know what? We're not they here. To talk to <laughs> yeah, um, but we are here because um, Jessica, you kind of put a challenge out there on on Twitter. I said that I've been a fan of Star Wars for a while. I've always liked listening to podcasts. I have a theatrical background and only a slight Minnesotan accent. So if anybody (laughs) wants me on their podcast, let's do it. 
Kurt, and we reached out. Whether we were the first or not to reach out, we are the first to book you. First to book me. So we'll see how this so, goes. Um, so tell us, since you said you, kind of, you have a slight theatrical background, which I do as well. I'm trying to get my desk organized here. Uh, <laughs> project for ne- my next days off. Uh, it's funny. You're facing your desk and nobody can see it. I know. But it's bothering me. I don't know why. Uh, give us a little bit about your background. Uh, let's let's expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've just always been that, that theater kid. I did theater all throughout high school and college. And um, even after college, was able to find some uh, kind of unorthodox gigs. I spent some time tour guiding at a historical house where I was oh, able cool. to dress up and um, kind of play a play a servant from about 1908. So I spent a, a lot of time in kind of a very Downton Abbey-esque feel. And uh, so at, at that point, I started calling myself a very, very part-time actor, a, a part-time professional actor. So that that's always fun to, to find those gigs where you can. Now, I, I haven't been able to do anything for a while, but it's it's yeah. always fun to jump back in whenever I can. Our industry has taken. Um, I mean, other industries have taken a hit. None more so than performance. Entertain the yeah. entertainment industry. Oh man, I mean, with, yeah. with Broadway talking, it's going to be June, July before they reopen. The Met Metropolitan Opera says, "Yeah, we're waiting until September." Um, I mean, tours are Hold still on. not. Anybody doing um, film acting and stuff looks like Hollywood is gearing up everything as of right now to get started January first. Yeah, well, all over the country. Well, like, we're prepping all kinds of stuff here because they're um, they're going to be looking. There's so much is planning right now to get into production at the same time. They're going to be pulling people from all over the country to work. Yep, because there's not enough people in LA. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday the fourteenth. Uh, it was announced by Bob Chapek, uh, current CEO for Walt Disney World, on Tuesday the 13th that uh, Disney's going to move their focus towards more streaming than the movie theaters. I think uh, I think it's going to be a while before anybody or a lot of people are up for going to theaters again, so... So that you, might be the wave of the future. So you think this is a good move, or do you see this as the coffin, the final nail in the coffin for movie theaters? The bad thing is that perhaps could be both. Thing because if you watch uh, home media, every time something new from home media happens, you have multiple items, multiple formats. Right. And uh, traditionally, going all the way back to VHS and Beta, whichever direction Disney goes, the rest of the industry goes. VHS and Betamax, Disney finally decided they were going VHS only and VHS one. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, but it, w- it wasn't just Disney that it decided. Wasn't, yeah, but but we won't get they into were that. Into the, um, <laughs> on this. There's there's other ones too that decided that, but we're gonna stay away from some of that. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, you go uh, DVD and HD DVD. Disney decided, or um, no, Blu-ray. It was Blu-ray and HD DVD. Disney decided to go Blu-ray, and some other formats did also. And then all of a sudden, HD DVD goes away. Actually, no. Disney had some stuff on both. Yeah. The the Ultra HD and the Blu-ray. Problem is, 
the marketplace dictated because they learned their lesson from the from the video cassette era. Even though Sony had priced themselves almost out of the the video cassette era with the Betamax for both the the media and the player. Sony came back this time and said, well, we're going to make things a little bit more affordable. We're going to mm-hmm. make it more mainstream and we're going to be able to get more information on our discs. Yeah. And well, that's, and it was, that's how Sony won. I know I wasn't old enough back when Betamax was out, but from what I've heard, Betamax was actually the better format. It was, it but was. they, but they priced themselves out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jessica's watching like, what's this Betamax thing you're talking about? <laughs> I'm a little bit after that. The, the nineties baby here grew up very much with ah, young whippersnappers. <laughs> We're all old here. I, I know that I'm just I'm just really interested to see now that Disney is moving more towards streaming how they're going to make the, the, you know they, they just released Mulan it seems like that kind of bombed in terms of the way that they they released that as a single person living alone I was not going to pay what was it thirty dollars to watch yeah, that movie yeah, exactly. and now it sounds like they just announced that they'd release Soul on. Um, on Christmas Day, and that sounds like if you have a Disney Plus account, you will be able to watch yeah. it. Correct, just like they well, did with just like they did with thing. Onward. Yes, yes. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to see what you know. They're, they're clearly testing the waters now, and I'm curious right. to see how they will you know what they're going to uh, they, kind of sell. They released Mulan for they released Mulan for thirty dollars, and then said they were going to release it for free in December. Right. Yeah, that's I think will partially help shoot them in the foot. So why anybody would, else who does yeah else doing theatrical releases was doing over twenty bucks. Right. And that seems to right. be working yeah. somewhat. And but, so Disney decided though you have to buy our service and buy the movie extra. Okay, but which works right. if you are a family. If you yeah. are a family and you have two kids and you would go to see the movie anyway, that's fine. It's for the people who are have an interest in the movies, but I mean, I, if I'm not sitting down with three other people, it's just not worth it. Yeah, well, right. well, here here's the other here's the other difference though between the other films releasing, um, like Scoob, releasing it for twenty bucks. You only got it for forty eight hours, mm-hmm. so you're paying twenty bucks for forty eight hours worth of viewing time. No, I didn't. I just waited for HBO Max. Well, you could do that too, but with Disney, with Milan, it's thirty bucks, and you have it unlimited until the rest of the world gets it on Disney Plus in December. So you, so you pay the thirty bucks. Essentially, you're getting it's ten bucks a month from when they dropped it because November or September, October, November. So, and again, if you're a family with young kids who like repeat viewings of movies like that, that's a steal. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I know this right. is a Star Wars show, but let's pose this question. If they decide they're going to do the same thing with Black Widow, which should have been out on DVD and Blu-ray around this time, would you do it then? Oh, I would Without absolutely. 30 bucks. Yeah, I'm not they paying $30. To lower the price. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm ex- not I'm extremely dirt. excited. Oh, I'm extremely <laughs> excited about it. But also, if you look at it, that $30 price point is what you normally play for a Blu-ray with the DV- with the digital copy. Oh, I agree. So you're yeah. getting nothing but a digital copy that you can borrow whenever you want. You don't as even own much, it. As much as I want to see Black Widow, I will. I can wait until it's free. Yeah. Now, if it's going to be 30 bucks. Now, my wife mentions if it's 30 bucks and we get a digital copy that, that comes with it, 
Done. Done. Yeah, that's different. But she also said too. But she also said too. Thirty bucks. You run a Marvel podcast. That's a tax write off. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing, you, I mean, the hard part about that too is that you can say, "No, I'm not going to watch it until it's free," but then you've condemned yourself to the yeah, spoilers. Then, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's the problem. It's a Marvel movie. Usually, there's only a couple things that really matter in the spoiler realm because most of it, you already—it's been a modified version of a story that's already out there. Yeah. Yes, it's different, but the general synopsis, you know, generally where it's going to go. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's not like a, one of the original M. Night Shyamalan movies. Where if you spoil the ending, you might as well not even watch the whole thing. <laughs> if he spoils the well, ending in the first five minutes, you might as well stop watching. Yeah, well, but that's M, M. Night Shyamalan ding dong. So, um, yeah. getting getting back on track, we brought Jessica on because she she claims and we're going to put her to that test in, in a good way <laughs> um, to to really have strong knowledge of the Mandalorians, which. I haven't talked to some people at work as well. I have some questions. Maybe we could get those answers from from Jessica, especially since season two of The Mandalorian comes in two and a half weeks. We're all very, yes. very excited. Oh, I cannot wait. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in first. In the Mandalorian, are the Mandalorians we see is that a religious sect or cult? Or are they true Mandalorian? And I question... Racially. That's the thing. True Mandalorian, you got to say, because that could be... Yeah, people who believe it the religious-wise could be seen as true Mandalorian. Okay, natural natural born. Natural born Mandalorian. (laughs) Let's put it that way. The reason why I ask is it's said in the show a Mandalorian never takes off their helmet. But yet, in Clone Wars and Rebels, we see him taken off all the time. And if it was anybody other than the creator of Clone Wars and the man who voiced Pre Vizsla himself, I would be worried that that's a discrepancy. But I'm not. So that tells me that something happened. Something happened either after what we see in Rebels, which would be a very short period, or something happened to a specific sect of Mandalorians that the Mandalorians that we see in Rebels, they, they adhere to a different code. Okay. So when, so when we see Bo-Katan, when we see Sabine, when we see all these characters, there's got to be a reason why Dave Filoni, who, who's, not, who's not leading it, but you know, he's, he's overseeing it. They know that this is a question for fans. They, they set out, that was the, the premise of this show, is this, this character that you never see his face. Right. And I, I have to believe that they have some reasoning um, possibly related to The Great Purge. Or something else That's that happens. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. Still really don't have even any speculations as to why the purge or something else would lead to a change like that. But mm. it, it definitely has to be a new, a, a very new change. I mean, we see, this is Death Watch, and we've seen Death Watch, you know, less than two generations ago. We see Paz Vizsla, who hasn't been confirmed, but I can only assume has some connection to Pre Vizsla in right. The Mandalorian. And so something has clearly changed in the last two generations, in, or in fact, in the, even in the last decade, that we they must be setting up to explore further. further. Now... So do you, do you think sorry Ken uh do you think the Mandalorians we're seeing then are more 
foundlings that have come together than than natural born, I inclu- I mean, inclu- I, including Paz, could Paz possibly been a foundling? Well, Paz could be a foundling, but the fact that he is also voiced by John Favreau again makes me think that there's a familial connection. Okay, John mm-hmm. John Favreau voices both pre and Paz, so if not, at least a clan connection. At least a clan connection. Yeah, that's 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 that seems like a given. But you know, I'm not really sure. We we've now set up this. A little bit of a different premise from what we saw originally in the Clone Wars. You know, we've brought back this idea that to be Mandalorian means to be adhering to a certain set of beliefs, adhering to this this creed, as opposed to being just simply ethnically a Mandalorian. We see that, and and you know, we've gotten this idea of foundlings. We we haven't seen a lot. We don't know who's behind the armorer's mask or you know we, we don't know if these are all humans we don't know if they're if they're if they're many more foundlings or not do we actually know if outside of the armorer and that group if the if the rest of the mandalorians don't feel the same way about taking off their helmet or is that just for them possibly and maybe the that's something the armorer might have come up with again yeah that's that's something that's definitely been on my mind because when i watch the season you know, the first season initially i really thought that they were setting up this idea that it was a general thing a very overarching mm. a very overarching thing and that's that tells me like if that is true there has to have been something hugely enormous i can't think of anything else other than the great purge which is you know we 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 know happened but we don't have a ton of details but right. then after i rewatched rebels and realized like man we are getting you know, the, we see Bo-Katan and other clans not wearing their helmet, and that is right up to the start of A New Hope, just a couple of years before. Yep. So we're talking the span of a decade, and I just can't really imagine. See, I guess I, you can't really see it either way right now. And I, I'm right there with you because I'm currently, I just finished season three, getting ready to go into season four, which opens, sorry, no spoiler alert. It's been out. It's been done for a few it's years. Out. Um, I mean, it finished in 2017, uh, 17, 18. But season four starts off with a four episode arc on Mandalore or four. Yeah. Four episode arc on, on Mandalore. So, and we see everyone taking their helmets off. You know, we we saw, you know, the Imperial dignitary for Mandalorian, Mandalore, Mandalore, uh, Gar, is it Garson? It's Gar, Gar Saxon. Gar is Saxon, the one who yes. Killed in season three. And, and then it's his, his cousin or familial connection. It's another Saxon. Helmets off. Yep. Everyone in the in the Ren clan that needs to helmets off. The mother, the father, the brother. Now, some of the guards we don't see them take the helmets off because they're in they're on duty, so to speak. But I'm sure if we saw them in a relaxed phase, they would probably have their helmets off. Because it's not just it's not just Bo-Katan and it's not just the Ren clan either. We also see Clan Rook, we see Clan Eldar, we see we see all of these different clans, and there are a couple that have their helmets on, but there's nothing to say that they have them on be- for for a certain reason, just that they have their helmets on. 
So, yeah, something clearly is going to be set up, I believe, between season four of Rebels and what we see in The Mandalorian. And if The Mandalorians were supposed to keep helmets on, why do we see Duchess Satine in Clone Wars with no helmet, no armor? Yeah, it's definitely a new change. I definitely think that's why um, that's why we've kind of developed the theory here that um, – I was thinking the the Great Purge one. We're go- I, my theory is we're going to see the information about that this season, because I think that is directly why um, uh, what's his name um, Moff Gideon has the dark saber mm-hmm. has to do with the Great Purge. Mm-hmm. But also, um, I'm thinking the Great Purge. We've we've talked about it on the show enough. I don't know if you've heard the theory, our theories on that. Is that the Great Purge is the reason why. Most of one, the Mandalorians are myths and fables now because they've been almost completely wiped out. So the few that were there have now built clans of foundlings and maybe they don't take off their helmets because none of them are um, rank and file birthright Mandalorians. So in order to continue to be Mandalorian and to see Mandalorian, now it's not your race. It's not the way you were born or where you came from. The armor is what makes you Mandalorian now instead of being born a Mandalore. And that's, that's where the religious side of it comes in. It's more yeah. of – it's seen more as a religion or a um, warrior cult almost. And, and that's that why you can't see it off. Right. And that, that would definitely make sense if, you know, from what we can tell – they were just pretty much wiped out by this purge. If they're, you know, I, I suspect definitely that there's a huge emphasis on adopting foundlings right after that. Though Din, of course, he doesn't fall into that. He he would have been adopted earlier than that. So yeah, um, but they yeah, but well, maybe that's why, like you were saying with the armor, maybe the armor is actually birthright Mandalorian, and she's the one that spread. And since there's no other Mandalorian saying one or the other, the people that are foundlings or brought into the clans, they don't know any better than the fact that it's always been helmets can never come off. As far as they know, so that makes it real easy to change the rules. (laughs) But see, my thing is, why don't they know about the Jedi? That's what I don't get. Because we are two generations at most away from Death Watch that we see in the Clone Wars, and they're fighting against Jedi all of the time. and, And they know of the Sith. And I'm even wondering, why does the armor have horns on her helmet? I'm wondering if she was a mall. I have wondered that as well. So when she talks Mm. about the Jedi, the the armor seems to have some information. I can't really tell if she is with, you know, kind of being coy about it or if she is really being truthful and just saying all she knows. But she identifies the Jedi as sorcerers, which is already kind of an interesting word to use. But well, it's not the first first time that Jedi have been referred to as sorcerers or wizards. No. Yeah, I think the rank of anybody else, anybody in the galaxy who's not dealt with the Jedi that hears about the stuff they could do to everybody else, that's magic. But yeah. they don't have, they've never heard of the Force. They don't know any of this. They just know there were these guys that had all these great superpowers and were great warriors and they could do this magical stuff. But they have heard of them. They fought yeah. them. That's well, what I don't. But if, like I said, if most of them were wiped out, you only have a couple left. And that information, right, yeah. passed, they didn't need because since the empire went through and um, the emperor and Vader made a concerted effort to wipe out every trace of the Jedi. So now, uh, so now it's like, yeah, there's a couple of Mandalore, but that information didn't need to be passed on because there's no Jedi out there to worry about. 
I agree. So now the problem that legend. I have the problem that I have with that is that Din Djarin would have been adopted just around the time that Pre Vizsla was killed. That's at least that's the age that he seems to be. Right. That's before the, they yeah. found him. He may have that may have been a world that had, didn't have a Mando presence. It just happened the Mandalorian, the Death Watch I was there were mercenaries at that point. But why didn't Death Watch talk about it? Why did nobody tell the story of what happened right before? Well, maybe there is an actual reason. That's what I'm hoping. And again, it, again, it, I'm I'm assuming that I, I believe that John Favreau and Dave Filoni are smart people. I like to believe that they have a reason for doing these. And and also you have to remember, you know, from from a storytelling perspective, why is it appropriate that they don't know about the Jedi? Because many of the audience members haven't watched the Clone Wars and Rebels. So if Din Djarin doesn't know, then he is going to be learning about them in season two along with the audience. And so that's that's I always I always right. try to look at things when things seem like discrepancies. I always try to ask myself, is there a reason why the people who love this this universe, who know this universe, who have made very smart decisions in the past, is there a reason why they would have said this is a good idea? And that's part of the reason why I think they're doing well, this. Well, it, it is kind of backed up, though, with uh, Star Wars New Hope, which I can't believe I just called it Star Wars New Hope. Um because to me, it's always it's Star Wars. Always, it doesn't call it that now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm one of the few who doesn't. Uh, but in Star Wars, you have Han Solo going, you know, talking about the Force and the Jedi with the hokey religion. And again, he is old enough to have been a child during the early stages of the finale of the Clone Wars with the Jedi. But how much of that would he have seen? Yeah. How much actual experience would he have had with Jedi? That's why it doesn't bother me as much that he doesn't know. It it, it really does irk me right now that the Mandalorians don't know, because they should. I mean, the Siege of Mandalore, you've got Bo-Katan and Ahsoka working together. That's kind of a big deal. So for me, that is where the rub kind of comes in. Like, I get this idea that we're, we're really pushing that the Imperials have gone out of their way to to, you know, put out all this propaganda to really just kind of erase the Jedi. But mythology doesn't arise that quickly. Right. And so that's that's the thing that right now I'm kind of like, is there is there a reason for this? Or is it just kind of something that you just kind of have to recognize is going to be a little bit unanswered? Another thing that we've brought up here, though, um, that might help with this is um, the fact that what we have seen in Star Wars, everything that we've seen on screen ever in Star Wars is a fraction of a percentage of the galaxy. So say there was 10,000 Jedi. You're in a galaxy of millions of star systems. So there's hundreds of thousands of planets that have never heard of Jedi or Mandalorians. So that Death Watch, we don't know the size of what Death Watch was. The, the Death Watch that we see may not have had any involvement with the Jedi at all. Except that they do in, in the Clone Wars. I mean, yeah, that's, no, I'm that's saying, though, if they may have been part of the Death Watch, but they were not directly involved in that part of what Death Watch was doing. They may have been on another planet that had no Jedi anywhere near it. You gotta think, the, the Jedi were keepers of peace in the galaxy in the Old Republic. That's fine. But like I said, if there's only 10,000 Jedi and there's hundreds and thousands of millions of star systems out there, there's all kinds of people that may have heard something or not nothing at all about these guys. Or that's where your legends come in. Because these are, it, it, um, look at Solo. When um, when Han Solo, when we see him in the movie, there, he's growing up on the streets of Corellia. He's never, he may have heard that Jedi exist, but for him, there's something way out there in the middle of nowhere. 
for him, his whole life is living on the streets, stealing stuff, and giving them up, giving to Proxima. Well, that was his entire life right. until he left the planet. Well, let, let, let's bring it more modern time, more recent time. Star Wars: Last Jedi, Canto Bite, the kids in the stables. They're talking about the stories of Luke Skywalker, and to them, it's a myth that exactly. that has been told around. You know, as, as racers or whoever come through through the stable area, it's stuff they overhear. Now, see that I could almost see because this is, but that's about what thirty years after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I could see the New Republic doing a propaganda campaign similar to what the the Empire did to get rid of the Jedi to actually let everybody know what happened. Because the best way you're going to tell the galaxy that this new government is happening is by getting the stories out there. If they don't hear that a change happened, as far as they know, the the Empire, if the if they've even heard of the Empire, is still in charge. Right. You got to think they got to disseminate this information, like I said, to millions of star systems before they before these guys decide to join the new republic they got to know that it exists and part of the new republic is the fact that the jedi returned to destroy destroy the emperor that's a major part of the new of um, the empire being defeated so they have to get that story out because they're not going to say this guy luke skywalker he came and he killed the emperor and he wiped out the empire and he's the hero and uh, no he they're going to say you know the jedi came back and they took out the the emperor and and the jedi are coming back nobody's going to care that it was luke skywalker in the in the outer reaches of the galaxy, yeah, they've never heard of this guy. So if they hear that this Jedi, and I, like you said, Jedi would be at that point people are considering a myth. So they've heard of the of the word Jedi, so they have a general idea of what it is. You know, right. But like I said, the whole thing is uh, Star Wars. We always put it under a microscope because we're seeing a very microscopic view of the galaxy. Yeah. Right. It makes you wonder, though, if the Jedi have become a myth because they are wiped out and the Mandalorians have become a myth because they are wiped out. How intertwined would their stories be to just regular people in the galaxy? The stories of they the are. Jedi and the Mandalorians? Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that they were wiped out at relatively the same amount of time. I don't know if... I mean, other than other than the Mandalorians who were involved in either fighting Jedi or fighting with Jedi, as we saw in the Clone Wars... I feel like right. that is a that is a situation that the galaxy wouldn't know that story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, unless there's something that a galaxy wide um, ramifications of the battle. It was just another battle in this giant war that was happening. Because you got to think of also mm-hmm. how many star systems that may have heard that there was a um, there was this war, and then the government changed, but never actually saw fighting anywhere near them. Even within like a hundred light years, they may not have had right. any fighting. Once again, we saw a very microscopic view of the Clone Wars because we had a series focusing on this war. Right. So places even like Jakku had nothing to do with the galaxy until you get to the battles after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Before that, we, as far as we know, it was it had nothing to do with anything in the galaxy. It was just another desert planet. Right. That's what we get for us standing outside of the universe and looking at it. <laughs> Well, that's so, always interesting. That, it's, 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 always, it's always interesting to see what assumptions do we make because of our view of the galaxy through Star Wars that would not be assumptions made in the universe. And the one that I always think of is right. I don't think that in universe people know that the force is kind of biological. A lot of people 
like, you know, it, it, it's just kind of a common assumption that if a force user has a child, that that child is going to be force sensitive. And I don't think that that is knowledge that I, I don't think that that's actually confirmed because all we see is basically the Skywalker saga. And we have a couple other instances where we see that. But we don't actually have confirmation that that's, you know, a dominant genetic trait. Right. Right. It might not even be guaranteed. Mm-hmm. That, like if if you if you're two force users or force sensitives and you have a child, then it might not 100 percent guarantee your child is going to be force sensitive necessarily. Well, also, it couldn't it can't be um, dependent on um, force sensitive people having children, because remember, the Jedi had had no relations. So where does the force right. sensitive to have from that? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. Saying, but <laughs> in general, they're out there finding these children who are force sensitive. That, so supposedly that would the logic would say. They're finding um, children of parents who are not Force-sensitive. Force it's yeah. a random thing. The, the Muggle-borns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but and, mostly- and, that's, and that's exactly right because we only we only see instances of people like Anakin who have children when he really wasn't supposed to. So yeah. you've got – if you've got 10,000 Jedi in the galaxy and the majority of them are adhering to this idea of being rather monk-like, then yes, again, that's another you know tick in favor of – the galaxy at wide does not know that the child of a force sensitive can also be force sensitive. That's my view. Also, you got to think the galaxy wide. um, If you take it as a given that all magic in this galaxy is the force, the Jedi and Sith call it the force. Everybody else calls it something else, but it's all the same energy field. Right. So you got to think the force is called that by the Jedi and the Sith and people who have heard of the Jedi and the Sith, but the people that are outside of that, that are still using it have a totally different name. Look at how many times, in, especially Clone Wars of Rebels, they they actually did a really good job of showing that there's all these other beings out there that are tapping into the same energy force, energy field call, that we call the Force. They have, but they have a totally different name for it, a totally different way of using it. And then you get people like right. Maz Kanata, which um, supposedly knows the Force, and she, you can see, she kind of uses it here and there, but she's not a Jedi at all. She's uh, the Jedi and Sith are a religion, really. Right. Yep. And that's something that I would oh, yeah, like to totally. see much more explored. I would really like to see. What is the relationship that a non-force wielder can have to the force if they believe in it? Well, look at Jirit. Yep, exactly. Jirit was, as far as we know, not force sensitive at all, but the force still helped him out. And even in Clone Wars, even the very first episode, Yoda makes comments to the clones telling them that they can use the force to calm themselves, to center themselves. And it I just right. remember watching that episode and kind of going, oh, I just really feel like, you know, we're, we are kind of starting to push out of this idea that the force is this very exclusive Thing. You know, it's it's a it's a religion, and there are people who, you know, have clearly been touched by the force, blessed by the force to have that sensitivity. But it's definitely not something that is restricted to them. Right. Good points. Yeah, and it makes you wonder how how restrictive it would be to, to other people. Like if you're just a normal person and you try to like say, you know, you learn this new trick on how to meditate and suddenly you can you can kind of tap into the force not to do like force powers and such, but maybe it can help you guide your thoughts and, you know, give you some some 
clear vision or something. Mm-hmm. Well, also, look at go to Dathomir. The Night Witches there had are not Jedi, not Sith in the slightest, but they have just as much power as the Jedi and the Sith. Yep. Right. So yeah. it is, isn't it? Isn't it implied that they do still have a connection? I mean, they, they do still have. No, that. they are. Yeah, they're connected to the Force, but it has nothing to do with Jedi or Sith. It's a totally yes. different connection, but or it's a totally different way of connecting. But it's still a, just as strong a connection. They have just as much power. It's almost. It's almost like there's a there there a third branch of whatever. Yeah. Of or even futures. the Bendu. Remember the Bendu had um, a full on connection with the Force, but he was not light side or dark side at all. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he was, was not Jedi. He was not Sith. And again, that's just why it's so interesting to see, like, we are kind of pushing out of these, this idea that you got from just like, you know, the original trilogy, you know, just kind of the, what we start out with is just, just this very exclusive. It's, it's just it's just a club. <laughs> you know, it's, it's this it's this thing that really doesn't right. seem to have a, a an effect on other people in the galaxy who aren't Jedi, who aren't Sith, um, you know, right from from a new hope which you know they call it a religion they they you know they mention vader's religion and it's just it is just really interesting to see how we're kind of pushing out this idea that that idea of the force and that religion can be applied to other people non non force users or like we've said different kinds of force users i will say i think that satine is is that that she adheres to those principles because we see her, her in the lawless in cl- the clone wars i think meditating in her cell and i've always thought she doesn't adhere to the religion of the man of the mandalorians which is a religion she would be actively seen as darmanda somebody who has rejected that and she was protected by jedi when she was younger so in my in in, in my head canons i think that she actually believes well maybe you'd be right i mean what we we do know dark saber was created by a mandalorian jedi as sabine says it in rebels talking about the dark saber um, and it wasn't the only. It wasn't the only Mandalorian Jedi because it was the first Mandalorian Jedi, right? Which implies there's more. Which implies who, there's more, and we've right. never seen them. Well, who, who, who's to say Duchess Satine wasn't from one of those lineage of force wielding Mandalorians? Who knows? I think it's interesting because it. I mean, it already leads an irony to it's always been ironic that mandalorians and jedi are supposedly natural born enemies and yet the dark saber was created by a mandalorian jedi and so they are intimately connected and i also think it's really interesting because what does that then imply if if there were if there was a mandalorian jedi and then the implication that there were more what does that mean for for sensitive mandalorians we we know this. We have this idea that in general, force sensitive children are identified by the Jedi and taken to the temple. Would that have been something that occurred in Mandalorian culture, based on the tension between them? Well, also, well, go ahead, Derek. I was going to say the other the other question is: so we know that the Jedi find force sensitive children and bring them in to be Jedi, but we don't know that they find all of the force sensitive children and bring them in to become Jedi. So there there could be plenty of other force sensitive children out there that they just the Jedi just never find. That's where I was going to go with it too. The fact that, it, like I said, if we go in the scenario of tens of thousands of Jedi, there's still hundreds of thousands of 
of worlds out there with hundreds of thousands to billions of people on each world that the Jedi have never been right. anywhere near. So they, yeah. they find more sensitive children where they're at, where the Jedi are. So if the Jedi aren't there, they're not going to find these children. And that's where you get these other um, magic people or whatever, however they call themselves, witches or sorcerers or whatever, that are tapping into the same energy field, but they don't know of the Force. They don't know of the Jedi because the Jedi have never been there to show them that this is the way we see it. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you have if you have like the 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 Night Sisters of Dathomir and such, that could very easily mean there are other planets that have their own sects of Force users. Mm-hmm. Especially if you look at the way that um and the way they present Dathomir, it looks like all of the inhabitants of Dathomir are Force sensitive. Mm. Yeah, it's when they show it because everybody's Night right. either Night Sisters or Night Brothers, and all of them have a connection to the Force. And the Jedi aren't there. The Jedi have been there off and on, but they don't. You know, so how many other planets are out there that are full of um almost the entire planet is Force sensitive, but they've never even heard of the Jedi or the Sith. Right. Yeah. So yeah, um, anybody on Mandalore could be Force sensitive also because, like I said if there's no jedi especially if um now it's always been taken that jedi or in uh, mandalorians are enemies but do they ever actually say that in any of the series that they were traditionally always enemies it's one of those things that i know star wars has always said this because it was i think part of the backstory of boba fett at some point right in, but was it ever actually said in any of the canon currently in the very first mandalorian episode obi-wan makes a comment to satine that he knows that the Mandalorians have fought many wars often against the Jedi. Yeah. We See. also know that oh yes, and and, and 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 in Rebels we also get the comment from Kanan about the war, the Mandalorian Jedi War. That was the first time that that's from Legends. That was never we never really knew if there was a Mandalorian Jedi War until Rebels when he says the Jedi won the war yeah. against Mandalore. So we don't get the idea that they have always and forever been enemies, but there's definitely there's definitely there's the, the idea that that's the way it feels. Pre Vizsla also says that he's going to make any Jedi pay for what they did to Mandalore. Now, yeah. now according to Wikipedia, uh, the Mandalorian Jedi War under canon, under the canon tab, says outcome, Jedi victory, much of Mandalore's surface is made uninhabitable. Yes. So because of that, that's why a lot of your Mandalorians blame the Jedi Order because they blame them for destroying their planet. Yes. And That's we don't know. But does it does it say why they went to war? Uh, it, I don't think that story's been told. That story hasn't been I told. And, yeah. and, and and that's what's so interesting so. about this. That's what's so interesting about this because it's this conflagration of of what we had from the EU. What's what's interesting to me is we don't know when the planet was destroyed. Mm. You know, it, in in the EU, I believe it was right. eight hundred years before the Clone Wars. We don't really know what the time scale was in the canon, though. The only comment that we really have is from Sabine, who makes who looks at Mandalore and says, "This happened before I was born, or long before I was born," which is which doesn't really give us much to go on, except that it's kind of a strange comment to make if it did indeed happen eight hundred years ago. Yeah. Yes, yes, right. that's very true, but it's kind of a strange thing to say. Right. But also, right, yeah. Them um, holding the grudge that the Jedi 
basically made their planet uninhabitable. That, if you know the Jedi code and stuff, that is very much not what the Jedi would do. Why the Jedi wouldn't right, totally. want to use weapons like that. But so I'm wondering how much of it is um, the legends that came out of that war have turned the Jedi into this villain. And it was actually either a mistake on um, either one of the two sides' parts, and it was a misunderstanding. Because if you, like I said, if you look at the actual Jedi code, what they believe and the way they do things, using planet destroying weapons like that of that <laughs> scale is way not something the Jedi would do. They wouldn't go anywhere near something like that if they had any choice. Well, well, here's right. here's a thought. How about this? Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, we got the High Republic books and stories coming, yeah. starting to come. And it's been teased. What here, Here's a new threat that's going to, you know, a new threat is coming. And what scares the Jedi? Could we see the creation of the Darksaber since this is taking place 400 years, 200 years before uh, the Skywalker saga? The beginning of this, of, before episode one, could we see the formation of the dark saber? Could we see the great Mandalorian Jedi war be played out and finally get some cannon behind it? It's my, I, I, I'm not exactly sure where I'm getting this, but it's my understanding that that happened before the High Republic. Uh-huh. Um, well, Knights of the Old Republic, the video game, makes reference to the Jedi Mandalorian War. And, of course, that takes place, what, a thousand years before? That's, yes, I don't yeah. Know. And, and I, I believe that Fen Rao says in Rebels that, no, no, Vizsla says, says in the Clone Wars that the Darksaber was created during the Old Republic. See, I... On your question, Mike, I think, yes, we could see that in the High Republic, but the second half of that is, do we want to see that as part of this new story, or do we want them to tell actually brand new stories? I would like, I would actually, I like this whole new High Republic thing to be something new that we actually haven't seen the, any parts of these stories yet. I mean, yes, Yoda's going to be in there. He's going to have a small part to play, but I am lo- way looking forward to something new, something we've not seen before, something we've not heard te- teases of. This is a couple hundred, this is hundreds of years in the past. I'd like to see it in a different, maybe a different part of the galaxy that we don't know anything from this. It is yeah, a brand canon. It's my, it's my instinct to say, I really don't think that the Mandalorians are going to factor too much in. I think that if they did, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, I, 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 I adore the Mandalorians. I'm so happy that right now is kind of the Mandalorian era, and I hope that we get more. But I also think that it would be kind of overkill to have the Mandalorian, to have hopefully a Rebels sequel, we're still still hoping for that, and to have like to, th- there are outlets for those stories, but I don't think that they need another one. So I'm going to say they probably won't touch that. Speaking of Rebel sequels, because I think we're we're at that point. I almost don't until the show comes out. I don't think we could go much deeper in with the Mandalorians. I mean, we we've gone pretty deep. I'm really excited about how deep we did go with this, and, and the, hopefully, we we inspired some new thought with you to go. Okay, I hadn't thought about that. You definitely, at least for me, have inspired new thought. I can't speak for the other two, um, but the direct beta or the direct dot com the, the, has a story up. I don't know if this is speculation or rumors. Star Wars Rebels sequel show, The Bad Batch, get rumored release and production updates. So, 
Um, with all the news regarding the upcoming live action Star Wars projects, uh, word on the street is that the anime projects have flown under the radar. Uh, Clone Wars came to its conclusion back in, in May, uh, bringing into the series that defined uh, the childhood of quite a few generations. Um, <laughs> shortly thereafter, Lucasfilm and Disney announced Star Wars The Bad Batch, a series following the clone unit, which we have nicknamed the Star Wars A-Team, because it's probably going to have that A-Team type vibe to it, um, which I don't know if I'm going to be proven wrong or not on that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, additionally, it was rumored, you know, it was said that a sequel to Rebels was coming. Now, Lucasfilm has, like it always has, remained tight-lipped on anything Star Wars, uh, especially in the animation world. Uh, but a new report has provided some clarity. Um, according to Corey Van Dyke of Kessel Run Transmissions um, on Twitter, he's reporting, I know everyone keeps asking where the Rebel sequel is. This is still all we know. It's animated. Ahsoka and Sabine are in it, and season one should be done. Unfortunately, I have no new updates on it, nor does our animation source. If we hear anything, we'll let you know. Uh, I don't. This was from October 14th of this year. Now, he's speculating that it'll be summer 2021 will be the target for the series to hit on Disney+. Plus. If it was the end date of our announced something. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't they have made an announcement by now? It's less than a year away. Some sort? I don't know. Maybe that was something where maybe that was something we were supposed to get out of celebration. Yeah, but they would have we're a year out from it. Filoni would have said something somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. They would have announced it definitely. Because they've never officially announced that there's this whole um, idea of a rebel show is all rumor. Disney has never officially said anything about it. Right. Won it a whole but I, I do think there there are I do think that there are, are announcements that I mean we have not received anything official even though we were supposed to have celebration right like we yeah. they have they haven't released anything about that and that's just that's just kind of interesting to me because they certainly could have already I yeah, assume that there was something I'm kind of surprised Lucasfilm hasn't done a virtual something that so they could at least make the announcements yeah. had planned for celebration. No, me too. I I'm not surprised. I I, I am not surprised. <laughs> be honest with you. Just keeping everything. Yeah. Under wraps. Yeah, and, and with Fil- and with Filoni not saying anything about this series. No, it, this this is very much a Filoni tactic. I would not be surprised at all is if in three weeks when The Mandalorian premieres, we didn't get some kind of weird trailer in front of one of those that blows everybody's minds because it's something we had no idea about officially. Well, and he actually throws a trailer in front of episode one. Well, supposedly... Disney's trying to switch to, stri- to streaming. Supposedly, Bad Batch is going to release either March or April of next year, 2021. Yeah. Then we'll at least get something for that because if, if they're that close to release, it. They have episodes in the can already. They were always two years ahead for Clone Wars and yeah. 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 Unless so, I don't yeah, know. If, the thing is now everything's so changed so much it's hard to say anymore with, with that's the, I said. The, the pandemic and everything. Oh, but I actually think that this is gonna be the golden age of animation. I think that I, I it would not surprise me if they announce another doing, project because that's the stuff that can take place right now. Then they need to bring back Saturday morning we've, cartoons. We've, uh, yeah, really. Hey, I want. We've we've interviewed some uh, a few voice actors who have 
have been saying the same thing. They're busy, busier than they have been in in a long time. I I would love to see a spinoff resistance show of what happens between Last Jedi and Force and uh, Rise of Skywalker with that gang. I would too. I would love to see a Doctor Afra series. Animated, which could be fun. Uh, now, the author of this story is saying um, <clears throat> a delay in announcing and releasing the Rebel sequel could be due to the decision to hold off until the animated characters make their appearances in The Mandalorian. If the rumors of a much much larger narrative being in play are true, the Rebel sequel plot likely hinges on that of the Mandalorian, and maybe that is not a card Lucasfilm is ready to deal. I agree. I think I think that something will. I think that the 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 silence that we have gotten so far. I think it will be broken with the Mandalorian. We don't know what's coming, but I think it just makes sense that if they couldn't announce something at Celebration, that and and like you said, if if all of these narratives are kind of you know existing on top of one another right now. It makes sense that the next big thing that we find out about will probably be probably be in conjunction with the new season of The Mandalorian. Right. And the idea of a trailer, if Disney's really um, reorganizing and moving everything towards streaming, why not use a similar marketing technique they use for theaters on streaming? They put, like I said, put a trailer in front of an episode, especially when you know episode right. one is going to have every Star Wars fan in the planet's eyes on it the first day. No, I have no clue what you're talking about. It'd be it'd be like the um, the huge bump that Meet Joe Black got <laughs> because they put the Phantom Menace trailer in front of it. All of a sudden, yeah. everybody's, wait a minute, why is everybody going to see this movie? <laughs> We didn't. We went there to see the trailer for Phantom Menace. (laughs) I heard of a lot of people that actually bought a ticket, watched Phantom Menace trailer and left. (laughs) I I heard that I I heard that there was I mean, that day, the U.S. economy basically lost out on about 60 million dollars based on the number of people who took off work to go and (laughs) see the trailer Uh in front of one of the other movies. I I will neither confirm nor deny I may have been one of those people. <laughs> so, or confirm or deny that I actually went to another movie, but before, but knew that Joe Black was showing right next door, went, caught the previews, and then went back to my normal theater. Hypothetically. <laughs> you, you also get the stories of the people who bought their ticket to see me, me, Joe Black, watch the trailer for Phantom Menace, then go to the next theater that was starting like 20 minutes later and watch it again. <laughs> yeah, and then go to yeah. the next theater. <laughs> Well, this, that was, I did uh, not. Do. There were a lot of there was there were a lot of theaters that started playing the Phantom Menace promo at the end of the movies mm-hmm. because people were doing that. Mm. So then you actually have to sit through it. Yeah. Well, it was better doing that than waiting um, twelve to twenty four hours for it to download. <laughs> so by the way, to this day, day, I have never seen Meet Joe Black. Me either. It wasn't that bad of a film. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Yeah, well, you're you're from <laughs> Howard the Duck, so hey. Hey, I like Howard the Duck. <laughs> I'm still not calling you Zod. We'll see. Um, yeah. <laughs> now, from StarWars.com, one last thing. Um, Star Wars is doing a crossover with a company mm-hmm. called Corksicle. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Corksicle. Sounds like a, pl- uh, nope. um, a company I may not want to know about. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> actually, I have. We have a couple Corksicle um, products. They're actually not. Can you bad. really do a bit to it? Yes, I am because we got them cheap from so uh, from Hallmark store when we were picking up Star Wars ornaments. They had them on sale. Um, Corksicle has a line of um, temperature, as, as they call it, temperature regulating drinkware. You can keep cold drinks cold, warm drinks warm. Um, they have everything from a uh, oh, trying to figure out what they call it. Uh, ah, okay, I see. Uh, basically, the um, the, the, bottles. the reusable bottles, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tumblers. There's a tumbler. They have I'm trying to find the exact terminology they use. It's vacuum sealed. Usually inside, they have a vacuum in between two layers of metal. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Uh you had the canteen, you had the tumbler, So I'm looking on their site right now. You had the canteen, the tumbler, and the cup. And they have a couple different designs. For the canteens, it's a 16-ounce canteen. You have Darth Vader, you have Luke Skywalker, Rebel Pilot, which this one I actually kind of like. Um, Stormtrooper, just a little too white for me. Too much white. I, I don't, to me, it would get dirty too quick. Uh, C-3PO, <laughs> cool, but not my thing. And R2-D2, as much as I love my droid, like the Stormtrooper, it's just too much white surface. Uh, with the Tumblr, you have the same options. Darth Vader, Luke, Rebel Pilot, Stormtrooper, C-3PO, and R2. With the Tumblr, there is a Vader. There is a Stormtrooper. There is a C-3PO. And there is an R2. The only one that they don't make a Tumblr for is Luke, Rebel Pilot. So with Tervis out there, with a few other companies, is this something you guys would be interested in and, and would potentially carry with you to work or whatnot? Or is it just one of those cases of there's so much out there, it's, it's overdone on the market? Um, maybe. I don't know. I There's got to be a reason why every company does a Star Wars line. Yeah. They got the well, license. The determining factor on this one is going to be, look at the price points. The 16-ounce right. canteen, which is your sealed regular tall bottle, $37.95. Right. 16-ounce tumbler, which is just your regular coffee cup, thirty-five, thirty-four uh, ninety-five, And then the stemless cup, which is just a little, um, the small regular 12-ounce cup for $30. Yeah, they're way over, most of the tumbler, I mean, a really good one is like 15 to 20 bucks. Uh, uh, well, you could get a 24 ounce tumbler or tumbler from Tervis for 30 bucks. Okay, this uh, their tumbler here is 16 ounce. Right, so it's less. Or it's now, less for 35. Now I'm looking at no, other. Most, yes, <laughs> I'm looking at others on their site. Um, the canteens range anywhere from 17.95. I actually now it shows most of them go from 34.95. To thirty nine ninety five, but they have quite a few on sale for about seventeen ninety five. Yeah, but then if you get into like the sports canteen, it has here for thirty for forty five dollars, which you're paying for the D ring. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just the color scheme. It's yeah, not like it's, it's a uh, not like it's a design, like a an actual. You know, like with the Darth Vader one, they could have done like his chest plate or something yeah. in it, in it. But it's just yeah, it's just black with red. I mean, it does red. look awesome. It looks amazing. The problem yeah, it looks is cool, paying for the name Star Wars. Right. That's right. why. Exactly. Collectors, That's, don't get me wrong. Collectors are going to buy it. 
But people who just want something cool to carry around that Star Wars may be looking and saying, I can get a, um, I can go to um, Tervis or one of the other ones and get one that's bigger. It actually looks more like Star Wars because it'll have a Star Wars logo or something on it. It'd pay half the price. Right, right. And that's yeah. what, like, I, like I'm always, I, I'm not somebody who wears a lot of merchandise, you know, a lot of logos or anything like that. I do like that it's very minimalistic. I really like the Vader one. Like it's it's Vader, but it's not like in your face Star Wars. But at the same time, like why do people pay good money for things? Off usually because they they like the logo because they like to make a statement about right. Star Wars and the fact that they love it. See, that's right. that's kind of why I like the Luke Skywalker one. I know for <laughs> fact that one is okay. It's Rebel Pilot. Yeah. Yeah, but like it, but it's well, also very minimal as well. But a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of non-Star Wars fans would probably never even recognize that. Exactly. Now the now the R two D two and C three PO, you definitely know that that's Star Wars. Exactly. Right. At it, especially R two. R two D two. Yeah, R two is definitely very recognizable. The stormtrooper, like you said, though, Mike, yeah. the stormtrooper, you can't. That could be anything. Yeah, and to me, that's just too much white surface. Just like the R two, I'd be afraid to get it scuffed up. Yeah. Now the caps actually have the um, Imperial logo or the Rebel logo on the top of the cap, but it's not right. jumping out at you saying, "Hey, look at this." Unless it's R2-D2, and then the cap is the top of the dome. Right. Is it? I didn't yes, see that. Is. I'm looking yeah. through it. That's, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. What's the 3PO? They don't show the top of the cap of the 3PO. Yeah, they do. And it's it's just generic circles. I didn't see it. It's like his, his chest. Yeah, you can see it. If they don't have, they don't have a full view, but they do have it next to it. Yeah. I don't know. They're very, they're very oh, okay, pretty models, but I, but I think just what we said, like, uh, a non-Star Wars fan is never going to pay $40 for this, even, you know, right. kind of look cool. So, so they're not really appealing to that. You know, collectors might enjoy it, but unfortunately, you're kind of appealing to a very niche audience with something right. like this. Well, like I said, the ones but the that, ones we got, we got on sale. At that price, say at that price, I would want something that screams Star Wars. Yeah, if you're gonna pay that much for it, that's why for me, the if Rebel Pilot to, one yeah. screams just enough Star Wars yeah. to it screams it, but it's also subtle. Yep. Well, don't get me wrong. If they wanted to send us merch, we'd plug them all day. Absolutely, we can't be bought. <laughs> See, I don't like I don't like the Re- I, the, the Rebel pilot, the Luke Skywalker one. Well, you, I don't like that at all. You've been dark side most of our time anyway, so yeah, this, that's right. This Luke Skywalker one looks cool. If I was going to get one of these, it'd probably be um, the set they show where it's the. Um, the R2D2 cup and then the um, canteen the C3PO so they can sit side by side and you can see what it is. And you can see Honestly, the, the size difference. Honestly, I, like uh, I like the C3PO one if I'm honest. I think I like the Vader one the best. The Vader one is cool too, yeah. And then that's black so it's not going to get scuffed up. This is true. Now I will say they are they are pretty pretty decent with their um, with their product. I mean, we like I said we have gotten some. Uh, we picked some up from Hallmark a couple of years ago when they were on sale. Uh, I guess they were doing a changeover in, in colors at the time, or either that or our Hallmark uh, Hallmark wasn't carrying them or was going to stop carrying them, and they were just blowing them out. They're they're not bad for me. If I'm on a short trip, then yeah, sixteen ounces to go to work. 
I'd be refilling that thing quite a bit. Mm. So That's because uh, you decided to work outside in Florida. <laughs> hey, I resemble that. Choices were made here. Choices were made. On that note of choices, uh, Jessica, as we're coming to the near, near the end of the show, we have a question from someone on Twitter. Her Twitter name is Boo Katan. She starts off, Sadie, who's your favorite sister? Link emoji. Jokes aside, which preventative measures might Satine have taken to stop Mandalore from being taken over by Maul and Vizsla? Well, first off, she is my favorite sister. Bo-Katan is, is Satine's favorite sister, and that particular Twitter user is my favorite sister. Not, not in real life, but we are quite close. But... Um, this is a really interesting question because what we have here is, you know, Satine was exceptional. You know, she had very strong convictions that ultimately led to her downfall. I think that she's she was very naive in some in in some ways, but she also she, she stood by a pretty cohesive set of values. Unfortunately, they, they couldn't protect her when the planet was attacked. So what could she have done differently? I wonder if there would have been a benefit to allying more with the protectors that we know exist in canon. It's been confirmed that the protectors that we see in Rebels are the protectors that we see in Satine's Royal Guard. But that's all we see them doing in the Clone Wars. And I wonder if it would have been helpful to basically have some kind of standing army that is made up or, be, you know, being led by the protectors. I don't know if, if Satine ever would have used an army like that or if it would have just been something more for show. But she definitely left the planet open to attack in a way that she wasn't able to deal with. So I do wonder if that would have helped. But I've I've talked quite a bit about how it's ironic because what we see in the Clone Wars is a planetary leader who is a pacifist who says that she's not going to be involved in this war and unfortunately she leaves herself open to attack and things don't go very well. But we also have the Jedi who are supposed to be the peacekeepers and who are the ones who are becoming generals in the war. And ultimately what we have is the message of the Clone Wars is, you know, when Ahsoka says, I've been a Jedi my whole life, and all, you know, I've, I've been trained as a warrior. This isn't who we are. This isn't who I am. And I've always thought it really interesting that the one person who wins, the one person who doesn't play the game that Palpatine has set up is the Duchess of Mandalore, who says, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. And so I don't really know what it is that she could have done that still would have been in line with her beliefs, other than perhaps having some kind of standing army, even if it's more just for show. But that's always struck me as very ironic that that Palpatine has set up this idea. The message of the Clone Wars that we come away with is that the Jedi were kind of in a lose-lose situation. But yeah. the one person who, you know, the, the Satine's line is the moment that we committed to fighting, we already lost. And it's interesting that she's the one who figures that out. 
Well, the interesting thing, there's an interesting possible parallel with what you're talking about there with Mandalore with the galaxy as a whole. You could almost argue if the ga- if the um, Republic would have had some kind of a standing army, uh, even a militia style at some point, whereas an organized galaxy-wide militia for the, they would not have needed the clone army. It would have been a lot more difficult to manipulate things the same way. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that, and that's the whole thing. That's everything that Palpatine did. And that, that's why the Clone Wars, the TV show, is so important to see because we just got this hint of everything that happened that that Palpatine had his hands in. The the thing that comes to my mind is in the Clone Wars we have these episodes with Rush Clovis. This you know that that's where we get Anakin who is very angry. We've got this kind of love triangle and you think that the story of having Rush Clovis there is really just to show Anakin's anger, but at the end of that arc what we get is this revelation that Palpatine now has control of the banking clan. And I, I remember when I saw that and I went, ah, this, this is why this show is so important because we see all of those steps that Palpatine takes in order to amass his power and show that he's the one behind this entire game. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Of course, you go ahead, Derek. Looks like you're going to say something. You're muted. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh... I think the Clone Wars is important uh, for that reason and a few a few other reasons. Like, I love how it really shows, like, I really, my favorite part of the whole prequel era is seeing what Palpatine has did to become the Emperor and just all of his tendrils that were just in everything. But I think the Clone Wars is also good because it shows, it shows more of the Mandalorians and gives you more of them, um, puts more face to them because all you had before that was Boba Fett. And you did so, and you didn't get anything from Boba Fett. Um, and it it's also not even Mandalorian anymore. Boba Fett. Exactly. Boba Fett. Where? <laughs> exactly. Now, and then it also gives you, it gives you, it gives the clones more personalities. So instead of just being the, the, you know, these clone soldiers who just go out and die, and you're like, whatever. You see that they all have their own personalities and everything, so it gives them it gives them more humanity. Yep. Yeah. That's well, what I've that's always it. loved about the Clone Wars. I got another one to jump in there half a second. Boba Fett not being Mandalorian, that was before the Mandalorian series. For all we know, he may now be a Mandalorian again. I, I fully expect that to be retconned because Filoni has made no secret about the fact that he did not like that George Lucas didn't want the Fets to be Mandalorians. And Filoni made sure to give the line about them not being Mandos to Almec, who Filoni has said probably has his own reasons for believing that they're not Mandalorian. So well, I I'm, fully expect that that will be yeah. retconned. Or your retcon is the fact that the Mandalorian is now a religion. Because we have never seen Boba Fett without his helmet. So he may right. be the first one we've ever seen of this different sect of Mandalorians that is now anybody can be Mandalorian. Well, we do see Boba Fett. Not since he was a kid without his helmet. Not, not since he was a kid. Exactly. I, I was right. about to say, yeah. Right. Yeah. We, we, so, so in that case, what we would have is the Boba Fett. If if. If this is true, then the Boba Fett that we see throughout the original trilogy, he's got his helmet on because even then he's adhering to the creed. Mm-hmm. Huh. That's already been introduced. Where he mm-hmm. is, so he is not a birthright Mandalorian, but he has been—I don't know—you just want to say baptized into the religion or whatever it is that he's war- part of the warrior religion. 
very interesting. Yep, I, I could see that that happening. What what that that is interesting though, because if we are still operating under the idea that it has to be sometime in between, if, if we're if we're thinking that this is something that applies to all Mandalorians as opposed to just a single sect. Um, then that leaves very little time for that change to have occurred right. because season well, four of Rebels happens two years so before. Where would that leave Jango then? Well, he wouldn't be a Mandalorian. If, if, if this is true, if the idea that they aren't ethnically Mandalorian, but Boba comes back in and is baptized into the Mandalorian religion then he would be Mandalorian, the clones would not be, and neither would Jango, right? Well, also, would think about this, yeah. this, what if this whole idea of the religion was in existence all the way back, but the rank-and-file ethnic Mandalorians didn't recognize it? But the offshoot was still there. It was there. That's so Jango very... may have at one point adopted it, yeah. and then Boba, when he became old enough, was told that part of it. Okay. That's and definitely now he... something that could be what they're thinking. My hope, because I do love the new Mandalorians, is that, you know, because my, my thing is, is that if Almec has his reasons for believing that the Fets aren't Mandalorians, that would probably be a good guess as to why. And I could see them trying to, you know, paint the idea that the new Mandalorians were much more um, staunch, staunchly uh, thinking that to be Mandalorian includes an ethnic element. That That's probably not going to be something that's well received by the fans if they do go that route, and I wouldn't really care for the implications that that has for the new Mandalorians, but I also think that it's something that could explain all of these things all the way back to Django. And I, I actually, I would not put it past Filoni that the whole reason that they've shown this much, that uh, all those changes to the Mandalorians was to somehow retcon Fett back into being a Mandalorian. The I entire reason of doing that with this show was to retcon Fett. But, but I, I'm, uh, I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm concerned, though, that if they don't give some significant answers to these questions soon, it might get out of hand. Well, we got these, uh, we're like three weeks away from the new series. There's going to be a lot of information coming back through that series. I, I hope that there will series, be, yeah. This series, we're going to find out a lot. We have, we're going to get, I believe we're going to get a lot of lore, we're going to get a lot of history, because we have the Darksaber that we, we need to be talked about. We have um, the relationship between the Mandalorians and the Jedi that Din obviously has to learn about. Um, and so I think that this season is going to be opening up that world a lot. That's yeah. my expectation. First, the first season introduced all the and, characters. Second season can jump on full speed and just go right into lore. And let yeah. us not forget the child as well. There's still a whole story there we have to get into. Yep. I still like my idea that um, Palpatine, he was a clone created by Palpatine to be the perfect body for him. Yeah, possibly. I, I, could, see, I could see that being entertained. Mm, I, as being as possibly. strong in the light side of the force originally, maybe the body would not decay the way the um, dark side force user would. It's a short thought. I forget what episode. I got to go back in the episode we talked about that. I got to remember which one it was so I can actually write down that full theory. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> We've done quite a few since then. 
Yes. Yeah. I remember sitting there thinking, wow, that was a really cool, but now I have no idea where it's at. It's somewhere in the 160 something episodes we have. Uh, 100 and this is 184. So, yeah. So any final thoughts going on? How exciting that we're going to, we're going to have a lot more to chat about and think about in just a couple of weeks. Oh well, yeah. I am definitely thinking after that final episode, Jessica, we, I want you back for, for a smugglers, smugglers guild round table. I know, I know in the past we called it Smuggler's Alliance. I think, I think we're going to go Smuggler's Guild from now on. I'm, I'm absolutely down. We'll talk. You need to reach out to the others just to have a general rundown because we've not had anybody on for like, any of the um, roundtable mm-hmm. on for like a year. Yeah, it's been a while. So we need to reach out and just have a general roundup of the year's info. Uh, also, too, you, you guys might have heard the Red 5 tag at the beginning. Yeah, also 15 different tags out there. I know. I was going to say that the opening is getting longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, we're up to almost 46, 50-something 46, seconds. Um, by the time this show has dropped, uh, news has come out that we are going to be part of the Blue Squadron on the Red 5 Network, which is, okay. a, which is a collection of Star Wars podcasts. And we've had and we've had quite a few of this is news to me. And we've had quite a few of the shows on the network or on on the on our show. Conversations is a part of it. Um, let me pop up my list. Hollow Chronicles. Yeah, I believe Hollow Chronicles is part of it. Uh, Getting to my list, maybe this is being slow. Um, a certain point of view is a part of it. Um, Jedi Temple podcast, uh, Jedi Temple Archive. Uh, trying to remember who else. I know we've had a couple others, uh, and we'll probably have more from the network on here as well, since we love uh, chatting back uh, Star Wars through the ages. Uh, I mean, so we've had some some of the show. I mean, I'm sure there's a few others that I'm missing. Um, of course, you know, we've great quality shows, shows that are very similar to how we think, um, that are going to be out that, that are on here. Uh, it's amazing. We got so many shows that are as deranged as we are. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you don't have to be strange to run a star Wars podcast, but it helps. Very much. Uh, okay. Look, look, we're look, actually look. we're actually tamer on, on the Star Wars podcast than we are on some of our other podcasts. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, we are. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm the same any way you get me. <laughs> yeah, you're always weird. But um, right. well, on that note, if there's my wife loves. <laughs> on that note, uh, have you guys seen the uh, the uh, commercials with uh, Patrick Stewart and Mark Hamill? Yes, I've only seen the first one. <laughs> I've seen, I've Are seen there multiples? Like three or four. I've, I've only yes, seen the first one. there's multiple. I've seen at least three. I, I've seen two. I've seen the the first one and I've seen the Connect Four one. Oh yeah, that one's good. And then there's one. There's one where I think they're playing. They might be playing. I don't remember what they're playing, but it ends with Patrick Stewart saying, do you want some cheese with that wine? (laughs) (laughs) The problem is I don't watch broadcast TV and that's where most of those commercials are. I got rid of cable like five years ago. Well, aren't you special? That's right. I couldn't afford to pay for that. <laughs> I remember just a couple of years ago, I was still feeling like it was it was strange when people were getting announced like, oh, here's the cast for this new Netflix show. And I thought even five, even four or five years ago, I thought that feels like 
a rung down on the ladder at that time. <laughs> that's that's what it felt like. And and very quickly, it feels like that's been reversed in my yeah. mind. Wow. But but with all the streaming services now, it's getting as bad as as expensive as cable. If you want them all. You just gotta be choosy. You just gotta be choosy. I, yeah. I look, I look at it like you, you know, a lot of people are like, why can't everything be all in one place? And it's like, well, Disney Plus came out and it effectively neutralized the monopoly that Netflix had. That's that's capitalism at its best. Well, when, yeah. it, when it forces people to to uh to yeah. keep the prices have, low. Have any of you checked out the new Google TV that they just dropped? No. No. You want everything no. in one place? It actually aggregates. Uh, you actually when you get when you download the app on your phone or whatever, you put in what services you have and it aggregates it all in one place okay you're still you're still paying for everything yeah you're still paying everything like normal but you don't pay anything for google tv it just gives you you, like the fire tv type um interface but it's for everything not just the couple things fire tv work with so like if you want to find that on my tv i mean isn't that isn't that pretty typical of smart tvs now yeah no tv itself doesn't do that but okay well on that note my tv Uh, On that note, there's only one thing left to be said. Give the evacuation code signal. All right, cut the chatter. Jinx, I can hold it. Pull up! No, I'm all right. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2. He's no good to me dead. Fans of podcast, I am Rusted Robot. Rusted Robot is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Episodes in the hundreds with pop culture reviews and geek style news. I am Rusted Robot Podcast. You have come here for geek. Will you listen? Listen for free. No, we will run and we will live. Aye, run and you'll live and dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all those days and come back here for just one more listen? They may take our lives, but they'll never take our Rusted Robot Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping with a Tee Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This has been a Weeby Geeks production.